It's a new intro. It's temporary. This stuff happens. This is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for February 28th, 2018. Hey, if we like it, maybe we'll just keep using this music. Um, but we are here from the swamps of Jersey, and uh, it is my pleasure to welcome back to Teeing It Up, the Quinnipiac men's basketball beat writer for Q30 on campus. It is Mr. Dylan Fearon. Hello, sir. Yes, it is good to have you. This is going to be the first of a of a a, a, a two part um, interview series with Dylan uh, because of time constraints. The first is just going to be quick: what happened, why it happened, and then the MAC tournament, and and then we get way more into this after this is all done. You and I, I think, both had the opinion that this year would not be horrible for QU, that, 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 that it wouldn't be good, but it would not be some bottom-of-the-barrel, atrocious basketball, ugly to watch, um, disappointing, uh, bad representation for the university. And I, I, I think you and I universally uh, were on the same page with that. I was impressed. This team played hard most nights. Some nights they were outshot. They could not navigate double overtime games for some reason. But but uh, overall, they played pretty good basketball, and all things considered, especially with the talent level on this roster compared to other schools, I think they fared fairly well. I agree. If you looked at the records, 10-21 and 21 this year, 10-21 and 21 last year, 9-21 and 21 the year before, but like you said, with double overtime, there have been a ton of close games. So they only won 10 games heading into the next tournament, but there are a lot that could have gone... Quinnipiac's way. I mean, they could be looking at 14, 15 wins. You know, a couple of shots went their way, or a couple of plays ended up working out for them. Um, so they got a, you know an extra stop here, an extra stop there. Uh, you know, 10-21 isn't an accurate representation of how they've been playing. They competed with uh, every team in the league. Uh, they took Iona to double overtime on the road, so they can clearly compete with the best teams in the conference. Just things haven't gone their way. But you know, and they've gotten even unlucky with playing Siena in the first round on the Saints' home floor. So they just haven't gotten their way at some point during the season, but again, not an accurate representation of how they have played on the court. No. Um, and, and I think also, and, and, and more importantly, um, more importantly in terms of, of not so much the future of the university, but, 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 but just in terms of Baker Dunleavy's uh, uh, coaching, so the future of this program on a larger level, the fact that he was able to take guys who were not his recruits, who he had never met until the spring, basically, and got them to play hard every night and play cohesive basketball. There was not, I mean, uh, you can, uh, sorry, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think there was any team infighting. I didn't hear anything about locker room squabbles. It seemed like he got guys who were not his guys to buy in. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, didn't, I hadn't heard much about, you know, fights or anything like that. I mean, I guess the only thing that went went down that wasn't too positive during the season was Chase Daniels leaving, right? Uh, you know, taking that personal leave for whatever reason that was. Um, but he came back, you know, relatively quickly. He got, you know, they were lucky enough to have a, a decent break in between games while he was gone. So I think he only missed a couple of games, uh, even though he was probably gone for a few weeks. Um, so that was probably the only thing. I, you know, it was a smooth season. It's been, you know, and it's not over yet. It's been a smooth season for them. And back to the close games, it wasn't even in league play. There were a couple of non-conference games that didn't go their way that were pretty close, too. With back to the Colorado game towards the beginning of the season, they lost on the buzzer beater. And they, if they had hit their free throws, they would have beaten uh, you know, the Boston that game. And you look to 
uh, game at Drexel right before conference play starts in Philadelphia. They, you know, give up a three-pointer with two seconds left. You know, if they get one more stop, they win that game too. So it's been smooth. You look at 10-21, and 21, you look at the box scores, yeah, it's not a good season, but they've competed really well, which is, I think, the, 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 the best part about it. Uh, as in past years, they haven't really been competing too well. Cam Young puts up 19-6, and I have, there's uh, uh, there's no assist average here, but a whole lot of assists, um, and, and Rich Kelly at the point, uh, who put up 10-2, and you can do the, uh, 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 you probably have the assist per game numbers, but they're um, uh, strong as well, sorry, here it is, uh, Chase Daniels averaged, uh, do-do-do-do-do, uh, five assists per game, three for Cam Young. Those, those, those two guys for me were the two headliners on this team, and especially Cam Young. The plays he was able to create as a shooter was very impressive. Yeah, Cam Young was fantastic. I mean, second team All Mac guy got some first team votes. Only played eight minutes last year. Now he, you know he's being asked to drop about twenty a game, and he averaged twenty one in that play. And then you're asking a freshman to run the point for you uh, when you're only playing seven or eight guys. And Rich Kelly was getting a lot of minutes. He wasn't just manning the point and facilitating, but he was on the court for a really long time. I mean, he had some 40-minute 40 40 games, excuse me, and a 40-point game. Um, but, yeah, those two guys, you know, uh, you know, again, as you said, Cam Young creating for himself, being able to hit from deep and get to the line a lot. He, there were a bunch of games where he was able to get to charity stripes a lot uh, and convert. Um, and then Rich Kelly, I mean, he's just a, a smart player. There were some times where you did see flashes of a freshman, but there were other times when you saw that this guy, you know, is a really talented guy, and, and you wouldn't be able to tell he was a rookie uh, in some of those games. And and the game-winning shot that he hit um, against somebody, um, and and I that just totally escaped me while I'm talking here, but but he was able to create his own basket and, 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 and able at times to facilitate his own shot and be creative. And that, I think, also, is, is especially if he stays at the school and does not transfer, which is something you have to be careful of with this school um, and the past history of, of Bobcats, um, if, if he stays, I think he can develop himself into something here. Well, he's going to stay. I'd be really surprised if he left. I mean, he's a Connecticut kid. He's played well here. He knows the recruiting class that's coming in, and he knows what's being built around here. I'd be shocked if he left. He's looked really good towards the end of the season. Uh, you know, especially at the beginning of the season, his assist-to-turnover ratio is pretty solid. It's gotten worse as the season's gone on, but he's been asked to do more and hold the ball more and, and shoot more. And as you've seen conference play come to a close and head to the MAC tournament, he's made a lot more shots. He's been more confident in his shot, uh, and he's attacked the glass a lot more. And we saw it against Fairfield a couple of games ago, shot 40 points in the double overtime game, and we saw it in the MAC regular season, uh, the last MAC regular season game of the season when he had 20. Uh, against the Jaspers. And, and, uh, and by the way, that was the Columbia game I was thinking of. I just wanted to get right. my facts right there. Um, all right, here we go into the MAC tournament. As you said, bad luck facing Siena right out of the gate. Um, I, I think you and I said on your first appearance on, on the show back then that, that, that this could be a team that if uh, Baker got them to play hard, they could play spoiler down the line. And, and really, you know, uh, cause some teams some trouble, especially late year and or the tournament. What do you think this team, which has struggled since the Iona double overtime game, this has not been the same Bobcat team, uh, where do you see things going in this tournament? Well, you know, it's unfortunate they had to play the Saints on the road. 
but it didn't get by Siena in what's a true road game, and they had to play Tunisius in that quarterfinal game in the, in the Golden Griffins uh, clinched the share of the regular season championship, so that's not going to be easy. I, you know, I expect a win on Thursday, but I, then I expect them to lose to Canisius in the quarterfinals. That's just a realistic expectation. Can something happen in the quarterfinals? Of course. I mean, it's a, it's a conference tournament. Things happen all the time. But if I was a betting man, I'd say that beat Siena, uh, you know, an inexperienced Saints team that's gone through a lot this season, different starting lineups. They have injuries all season long. Um, they're without Nico Clorath, who left uh, the team. They're without Rowan Penn, who got hurt. So it's an inexperienced Siena team. It's a really young Saints team that Quinnipiac should be able to find a way to get by. But then he faced Canisius, who has a lot of weapons, and probably the player of the year in Isaiah Reese, and upperclassmen like Dodge and Crumpton. It's going to be hard to beat Canisius in that quarterfinal game on Saturday. I'm talking to uh, sorry, Dylan Fearing here on Teeing It Up, talking about the uh, Quinnipiac men's basketball team and the MAC tournament. Um, Ryder uh, uh, won this division. Um, and, uh, or, sorry, won this conference tied with, uh, sorry, Canisius, as you said. Ryder is not a team that has been up at the top of the MAC conference in recent years. It's been Monmouth, who had an off year, finished with the same record as the Bobcats, 7-11. and This is a new spot for Ryder. Have not been here before. Do you, uh, do you believe in them? Yes, I do. I mean, this is a Ryder team that's competed uh, all season, especially in their non-conference slate. They beat Penn State on the road. Uh, they competed against Providence. You know, they played some good Power 5 teams uh, and competed well. And, and that Penn State game was on the road. They had a butter buzzer beater. They have quick athletic guards, uh, and that helps you in tournaments. If you can play a little bit of defense and your guards are quick, athletic, and experienced, uh, then things can go well for you. And I believe in that. I think they'll make the championship game. Uh, I think it's going to be a one-seed versus two-seed type of tournament. I just see that the, the best two teams facing off. I think they've separated themselves but, um you know, with the rest of the conference. So I think it'll be, you know, Ryder and Canisius for the championship, and we'll see what happens. I mean, it's going to be weird not having a, a Monmouth or a Iona or a Siena in the, in the, or even a Manhattan in the championship game, but that's just the way things have gone this season. Um, uh, um, excuse me. Iona sits there at 11-7, fourth in the conference. Uh, uh, not good enough to make a tournament run, considering their pedigree? You know, they can. They're in a, they're an interesting spot because they do have a bias, but they already know their opponent. They're going to play Manhattan, the five seed. So those two teams go at it, you know, all, you know, every single year. They've played each other twice uh, in conference championships in the past couple of years. So, you know, they're familiar with each other. They don't like each other. It's two New York schools. You know, they, they call themselves rivals. Um, it's going to be a tough game. So that, that's a coin flip. I mean, Manhattan can win that game basically, you know, strictly on their defense. So we'll see. But I think if Iona can win that one game, then it bodes well for the rest of the tournament. But I don't know. I don't even know if Iona's going to win a game, to be honest. We will go way deeper on this uh, uh, once the season's over. But just top-line thoughts, Baker Dunleavy season one. Well, I, you just have to look at what he's inherited. Uh, and Quinnipiac was a 10-win team. They lost their five best guards. They lost their second best big man. Yes, he brought in some guys towards the end of the, the you know, the end of the spring and into the summer. But he really hasn't had a, you know a ton to work with, uh, and not all the guys he's been playing are his guys. And I, I think he's exceeded expectations no matter what happens in Albany because of what he had to work with going into the season. So ten wins last year, seven league wins last year, but 
18 game max schedule this year will last to the 20 game max slate. So I think you see the expectation no matter what happens in August. Uh, 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 by the way, did uh, you ever figure out why this was 18 games max schedule versus 20? You know, they just decided to change it up. Um, I think they wanted more non-conference games. Um, not every conference plays each team twice, and I think they just wanted to change. Um, and I think it's worked out well. It's worked out for the for the, the worst teams in the conference, haven't had to play the best teams. So Quinnipiac only had to play Iona once, which was good for them. And... You know, so seven and eleven. You know, instead of seven and thirteen. You know, maybe if they had two more games worth, Quinnipiac would have won one more, and we'd be looking at more league wins and more overall wins than last year. Did uh, uh, did the Bobcats run out of gas a bit? You know, maybe, but I, I don't know because if you look at the scores of the games they lost, I mean, they've lost seven out of their last eight, but they've all been close games. I mean, we're talking two double overtime games on the road. Um, Yes, St. Peter's, you know, blew him out of the gym and early, but they've always had trouble with Peacocks. It, it, it doesn't matter, you know, who was on the court for Quinnipiac. They've always had trouble with St. Peter's. Um, you know, they played close games. I wouldn't say ran out of gas. I just would say an inexperienced team that, you know, got to the end of the season and got a little tired, not ran out of, you know, they're not running on B, but they're getting close. And I think having this time off, you know, they haven't played since Sunday and they'll play Thursday, having a couple days off, and facing a team like Siena, you know, bottom feeder of the MAC, you know, maybe we'll get, you know, win that game, get a little confidence, get the off day Friday practice, and then you know, face Canisius, a team uh, that you were, you know, that you lost to twice, but at least you played twice and got to see twice. Yeah. All right. Who wins this tournament, and who is the uh, tournament MVP? You know, I, I have to go Canisius. I really think Canisius is going to win. The one seed don't usually win the MAC tournament. Um, I think you got to go back pretty far to find the last one seed that won the tournament. So I'm going to go to two seed Tunisia to clinch the share of the regular season championship. Um, they have Isaiah Reese, who's probably going to be the player of the year. They have older, you know, big men. Um, they have an electric offense. Um, they push the ball. And, you know, you add all that together, and I think they can get three wins in Albany. They probably will play Quinnipiac in that quarterfinal game. I think they'll have, you know, not too much trouble with that. And then after that, it's anyone's, it's anyone's uh, tournament. So I think Tunisia will pull it out, though. And, and and the player MVP is? You have to go Isaiah Reese. I mean, this is a guard that, you know, has played so well the entire year. He's probably going to be the MAC player of the year. He's a first-team all-MAC guy. Um, he's my pick for for most uh, outstanding player in the, in the conference. Um, some people might say Khalil Dukes of Niagara, but uh, just watching Reese a couple times and just, you know, every every single night looking at, the, at what he did, and he had an incredible season. So I'd probably say him, but you can look to some other players. You know, they, they reward defense, you know, rebounds, blocks, and, and the Reese and that type of guy. So we'll see, but I think the Golden Griffins win it, and I think Reese takes uh, MVP. Dylan Fearon, the uh, Quinnipiac men's basketball beat writer for Q30 on campus. Thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up. Look forward to having you uh, back on the show once this is all done, which will probably include another trip to the dance for the women. Yes, I, I would be surprised if the women do not pull it out in Albany. Um, I expect three more wins for them. But uh, good talking to Jeremy, and we'll talk soon, buddy. You got it, and thank you all for listening to Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.